In this passage from the opening chapter of Gospel according to Matthew today, we see the scene of the angel appearing to Joseph in a dream. And that is the extraordinary scene pictured on the cover of our parish bulletin this weekend. Matthew and Luke are the only two evangelists who relate the story of Christmas, commonly called the infancy narratives. Each of the two has a different focus. So for example, the scene of the Annunciation of Gabriel to Mary is found in Luke, but not in Matthew. In Matthew's account, we find an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream and not in Luke. Matthew chooses to focus on Joseph for several good reasons. Let's take a look at these and also reflect on the greatness of Holy St. Joseph, the silent one in the Holy Family, a man of sterling character. First, notice the angel in the dream addresses him as Joseph, son of David, acknowledging him as belonging to the house of David, the king. Note that Matthew has already indicated this earlier in this chapter in his listing of the 42 generations spanning from Abraham to Joseph, including, of course, the key figure of David the king. That was the gospel that was read this morning at this morning's mass. To us, a genealogy is mostly a distraction to the story, but to the Jewish people, it was important. So why does Matthew give us it? Because Matthew, as a Jew, wants to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of ancient prophecies. And so he tends to quote from the Hebrew scriptures here and there, nearly 200 times throughout his gospel. As he does in this passage today, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. The word Emmanuel points in a hidden way to the divine identity of Jesus, God with us. Now Matthew wants to stress the element of Davidic sonship to show fulfillment of the prophecy of Nathan. Remember, if Jesus is truly the Christ, the royal Messiah, the one who is to come, then Jesus needs to have as part of his name Bar Joseph, son of Joseph, Ben David of the house of David. And so Matthew makes it a point to show that Joseph is the legal father to Jesus, and Jesus is his legal son. In this culture, fatherhood was established when a man gives his child a name. And so it is that the angel stresses to Joseph not only to take Mary into his home as his wife, their betrothal was a legal marriage contract, but to name her child and to give him the name Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua and can be, can be translated God is Savior. Names are said to reveal character, and of course, Jesus has the role of Savior. Our Lord is the one who will save the people from their sins. Okay, what about this holy person, Joseph, whom we know so little about? Just as Mary was chosen by the divine word to be his mother, so also Joseph 
was chosen by God to be his legal father. Jesus would come to learn by word and example during his formative years what it was to be a prayerful and an admirable Jewish man, a dutiful son of the Mosaic Covenant. So naturally, God would have chosen the best man possible for this role. As St. Francis de Sales has said, think you that the eternal God would not, in his almighty power and wisdom, choose from out of his creation the most perfect man living to be the guardian for his divine and most glorious son, the prince of heaven and earth? And as blessed William Joseph Chaminade suggested, do you not think that the Holy Spirit would not be concerned to provide Mary with a husband suited to her merits? So after all, Joseph was to be a loving and devoted husband, as well as a human image of God the Father for Jesus. And as we do see in the passage, with the angel who gives Joseph a command from God, Joseph does with great obedience exactly to the letter what the angel had revealed to be God's will, totally dropping his original plan to divorce Mary. Jesus, of course, as he grows up and becomes a man, is to live his life in complete obedience to his divine father. As the legal father and guardian of Jesus, Joseph would be a strong protector of his beloved son and a strong guardian, a protective shield for his spouse, the Blessed Virgin Mary. As suggested by Father Donald Calloway, Joseph would have needed to have been a man who was strong, masculine, and young, capable of long journeys on foot. As Father Calloway puts it in his recent book, Consecration to St. Joseph, the wonders of our spiritual father, the man universally acclaimed as the most loving, just, chaste, prudent, courageous, obedient, and faithful man to ever live, doesn't even get mentioned in seminary classes on the theological or moral virtues. This needs to change. The church needs to represent to her children an image of St. Joseph that depicts him as strong, masculine, and young. The constant presentation of him as an old man has severely warped our understanding of the greatest saint, besides Mary, to walk this earth. I believe that the holiness of St. Joseph cannot be overestimated. And yet, over the centuries, he seems to have been severely underestimated as an outstandingly virtuous man. And he was certainly a humble man, since humility is the foundation of virtues. In the litany of St. Joseph prayer, which Father Calloway promotes, there is a title that I found very striking, and I think most of us would too, and that is the title, Terror of Demons. Why this title? I believe it is due to St. Joseph's exceptional humility that the demons flee from him, for they are spirits of pride and cannot abide humbleness. So 
in this Advent and Christmas season, as we notice the figure of quiet Joseph protecting the babe in the manger in the humble stable in a cave suited for the animals, let us look upon him with a new regard, with a reverence for his outstanding holiness, and look to him for his powerful intercession to help us in our daily lives as we make our pilgrimage to our heavenly homeland of heaven. <laughs>